0: And now we're going to have a look at the Bible. So Maddie is going to come and read the passage for us.
1: Hey guys, I'm Maddie, and I'm just going to be reading Mark 6, verse 1 to 44. Or parts of it anyway, whatever's in the here. He went away from there and came to his hometown, and his disciples followed him. And on the Sabbath he began to teach in the synagogue. Many who heard him were astonished, saying... Where did this man get these things? What is the wisdom given to him? How are such mighty works done by his hands? Is not this the carpenter, the son of Mary, and brother of James, and Joseph, and Judas, and Simon? And are not his sisters here with us? And they took offence at him. And Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honour, except in his hometown, and among his relatives, and in his own household. And he could not do mighty work there except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them. And he marvelled because of their unbelief, and he went among the villagers' teaching. And he called the twelve and began to send them out two by two, and gave them authority over the unclean spirits. He charged them to take nothing for their journey except a staff, no bread, no bag, no money in their belts, but to wear sandals and and not put on two tunics. And he said to them, Whenever you enter a house, stay there until you depart from there. And if any place will not receive you, and they will not listen to you when you leave, shake off the dust that is on your feet as a testimony against them. So they went out and proclaimed that people should repent. And they cast out many demons and anointed with oil, many who were sick, and healed them. King Herod heard of it, for Jesus' name had become known. Some said, John the Baptist had been raised from the dead. That is why these miraculous powers are at work in him. But others said, he is Elijah. And others said, he is a prophet, like one of the prophets of old. But when Herod heard of it, he said, John, whom I beheaded, has been raised. And verse 30, the apostles returned to Jesus and told him all that they had done and taught. And he said to them, come away by yourselves to a desolate place and rest a while. For many were coming and going and they had no leisure even to eat. And when they went away in the boat to a desolate place by themselves, then many saw them going and recognized them. And they ran there on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. When he went ashore, he saw a great crowd, and he had compassion on them, because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And he began to teach them many things. And when it grew late, his disciples came to him and said, This is a desolate place, and the hour is now late. Send them away to go into the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. But he answered them, You give them something to eat. And they said to him, Shall we go and buy two hundred denarii worth of bread and give it to them to eat? And he said to them, How many loaves do you have? Go and see. And when they had found (coughs) out, they said, Five and two fish. Then he commanded them all to sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups by hundreds and by fifties.
2: Afternoon, and welcome uh, to Uni Bible Talks. Especially if you're new with us, visiting us, we always work through part of the Bible here. At this hour, we're looking through Mark's Gospel. And if you are new amongst us, just to let you know, we the reason we look at the Bible, work through the Bible, try to understand what it's saying, is because our conviction here is that it's God speaking to us, God speaking to the world, and so. Uh, If that's the truth, then it would be great to ask God to help us understand. You don't need to believe that to be here. It's great if you are here visiting with us. Uh, I'm going to lead us in prayer, asking God to help us understand his word. Lord, we thank you for this day. We thank you for this time. We have to look at your word to us. We pray that we might be able to concentrate on what you have to say to us. Lord, no doubt many of us have Many things that are happening at the moment, uni, life, uh, beyond uni. Pray that we'll be able to use this time well now to hear you speak. Help me to be able to speak clearly and well. And we pray that we might be able to respond rightly to your word. Amen. Amen. Well, Marcus Aurelius is, of course, well known for um, things like Gladiator and so on. Noel Gibson, but apparently this is one of the things he's famous for saying. Everything we hear is an opinion, not a fact. Everything we see is a perspective, not the truth. Uh, I thought it would be good to hear opinions about that, <laughs> whether you thought that was true or not. But maybe it might be better for a couple of people around about you to hear what you think, whether you agree or disagree. Say good day to people next to you, and uh, what do you think? Is that true or not? (laughs) It's
0: (laughs) both true
2: and not true. It's true,
0: not true. Is that not true? he's saying that but... yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. my um, yeah. so, <laughs> say, secretary straight up. Yeah, he he's he's, posing, <laughs> he's saying that a saying But I disagree. anyway. Yeah. Yeah. things oh, so so yeah. 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 uh, <laughs> so that are okay. Yeah. That's just your opinion. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, but even the that's, right, that's, that's, so, uh, that's his opinion. Yeah. yeah okay. That's right right
2: true. Okay, ready-o. <laughs> <laughs> uh, who, uh, who, who agrees with this statement? Who agrees with the statement? Just hands
0: up. I'll <laughs> <laughs> argue. Oh, oh, that man's name is Ethan, uh, is Ethan. Uh, who disagrees with that
2: statement? Oh, a lot more healthy disagreement. This disagree- is good. I thought it might be like an even match, we could have a debate. It's clearly an even match because Ethan counts for about 20. <laughs> Who's not sure? Oh, look at that, there's some genuine fence sitters. Um, why is it true?
0: Oh, I think like um, I think it's true because he's, he's like looking at like the world, and he's like uh, looking at the way human beings interact. He's like, well, everything I'm hearing from human beings is just an opinion, and I actually think he's recognizing the important truth that like human beings are fallible, and that everything that comes out of like human mouths is, to some degree, is is an opinion. Who wants
2: to disagree with that? There's plenty on the opposite side. Okay, here we go. This is good. We've got conflict. I think
0: you can see something that's the truth. If I see Rob in front of me. That's the truth. And I think if you see one thing that disproves <coughs> that,
2: Can you say that last bit again?
0: If you can see one thing that's the truth, that disproves everything, that word everything, that's the away. If
2: one thing is true, then Jacob, are you saying you want to oh, take issue I with it? Uh, I'll
0: second that one. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I was saying that I think if he said instead of everything, that a lot of what we is an opinion comes back, and a lot of what we see is expensive.
2: It's boring, everyone, mate. I want agree with that. OK, um, there's, a, there's a bit of, sort of, I um, could say, disjunction. Maybe dis- disjunction In the room, a bit of disparity. Um, We live in an age of opinions uh, more than any other age. I mean, everyone's always had opinions, but being able to make your opinion known, that's the age that we live in. For those of you who've been studying philosophy, um, I'm sure there's any philosophy students among you, um, you note the irony in the very slide itself.
0: It's stating it like a fact.
2: It's a fact (laughs) that everything we hear is an opinion, uh, not a fact. Uh, apart from that fact, <laughs> it's like there's no such thing as absolute truth in the world, except for that absolute statement that I just made. Uh, those of you going doing philosophy you know, yes, exactly. Uh, you can hear the you can hear the internal problems. This is interesting for us because today we've read through Mark's gospel. You might have picked it up in Mark six. We actually encounter opinions about Jesus, and. Just the fact that the Bible records opinions about Jesus must make you think, do opinions matter? to what, If this is God's word speaking to us, do opinions matter? Or are they just irrelevant? Do opinions, are they, well, that's not fact, but they're important, or are they irrelevant? Well, let's get into this passage and see where Mark takes us. Jesus returns home, we're told, but when he returns home, his neighbours hear him speak at the local hall and they're astonished, verse 2, where did this man get these things? Where is the wisdom? Uh, what, what is the wisdom given to him? How are such mighty works done by his hands? Now that sounds like it might be positive, but we find out pretty quickly that it's a negative from them. They say, he's a tradesman, he's a carpenter. We know his mother his sister and his brothers they're here and they take offence at him they're not impressed by his teaching of them they're, they take offence to him They say, and Jesus says sorry, to them a prophet is not without honour except in his hometown and among his relatives and his own household familiarity breeds, I'll come back to this one well, breeds contempt, breeds contempt. Now, I used to think this was the, Paul, the tall poppy syndrome where they just want to cut Jesus down. There's, this could be like a town in Australia uh, and the locals are just cutting Jesus down. Uh, but I don't think locals do that in Australia. I think when there's local hero, we talk them up. I think where the locals get angry, is when they're trying to be told what to do by the person who used to be the local. I don't know if you've ever experienced if someone's been overseas for six months, you know, say in Europe, and then they come back and they say, oh, you know, in Europe, it's fantastic. They do all these things. Like, Australia's hopeless. Uh, (laughs) You're really warm to people like that, don't you? (laughs) And so Jesus here is like, he's the young guy, he's come back, he's Mary's son, we know who he is, and he's trying to lecture us Get out of here, buddy. We don't want to hear anything of it. And Jesus is shocked at their unbelief. Now, we might think that Jesus just takes it in his stride. He thinks, oh, yeah, no worries. should be right. But he's actually shocked at their unbelief. And we've got to remember that because we sort of tend to think that if Jesus was here today, speaking in the world, he just lived in the world, that everyone would be like, oh, yeah, Jesus, you're the best. Oh, man, you're fantastic. Familiarity with Jesus is, well, breeds contempt for these people. And no doubt, probably for us as well. It can be a bit of an issue for us. It's not really Mark's thing here, but if we've grown up with Jesus, if you've grown up knowing Jesus all of your life, being introduced to him at a young age, that's a terrific and wonderful thing. But it can breed discontent. It can breed, well... Uh, Turning against Jesus. It can lead to feeling embarrassed about Jesus sometimes when you realize that what the things that you hold to, the things that Jesus teaches, are actually out of step with what else is in, in the world. And it can feel a bit embarrassing, perhaps, to identify with Jesus. And I, I don't mean that in the embarrassment, that sort of growing teenage embarrassment that you feel you know, when you're with your parents and they're singing Colin Buchanan songs and trying to dance uninhibited to them. um, That's a right embarrassment to have. (laughs) Uh, But it's the embarrassment of well, when you say things like Jesus is Lord, Jesus is my Lord, and you know that just sounds wrong in this world. That just doesn't, sort of statement doesn't belong in this world. It sounds uninformed and blinkered and Unworthy of anyone living in a free society. Well, when you feel that, when you... There's the temptation to take offence at Jesus isn't there. Well, hang in there. What, how are we to respond? Well, how does Jesus respond, first of all? Well, Jesus takes the Gospel out further and sends his disciples out. On a tour with the gospel. See, in the face of opposition, he doesn't cave in, he doesn't go quiet, he multiplies the effect. You see it there in verse 10. And he said to them, Whenever you enter a house, stay there until you depart from there, and if any place will not receive you, and they will not listen to you, when you leave, shake off the dust that is on your feet as a testimony against them. So they went out and proclaimed that people should repent. And they cast out many demons and anointed with oil many who were sick and healed them. (coughs) Well, Jesus sends them out, knowing that they will be received by some. They'll be uh, rejected by some. Uh, If you get to stay in someone's place, then stay there. If they want you to leave, then you don't leave and shake off the dust of your feet. It's not necessarily meant to be an an angry thing. Uh, It's just as a sign for them. Um, notice well it's it's good to take note that this is not a set of instructions on how we should speak to people about with the Gospels. Um, it's a good or well, it's a trap that people fall into. You just sort of read what Jesus did and that's what we should do too. Um, but we tend not to do all the things that Jesus says. We tend not to take with us uh, one tunic or no bread, no bag and no money in our belts if we want to follow Jesus on you know one matter we tend to leave out all of the others um, this is not a, a set of instructions on how to do evangelism but you do see something of Jesus' attitude toward speaking the gospel that is he's, he's very much for it he thinks it's a really good thing to do despite expecting opposition or rejection it's a thing to do It's it's actually the opposition that comes that Spurs him on to send others out, to do it. Jesus is all for speaking the message of the gospel. And despite opposition, it's the thing to do. And you've got to make it part of your personal makeup, your personal sort of psyche. That opposition will come when you speak to people proclaiming that Jesus is Lord. That's just the reality of life. And it's not nice. I don't like it. It doesn't feel nice to be rejected by people. Uh, but it's just the way that reality is. It's just like exercising. It's just like exams. It's just like personal challenges. They don't feel nice. But it's, it's got to make a part of who you are. Calling people to repent, as the disciples did, calling people to have Jesus as Lord, Will cause people to not feel very nice within themselves because you're saying that they don't have something that they should have. But that's okay. That's just part of the message going out. But remember that you're calling people to a better life, you're calling people to a better king, to a better leader than what they have in this world. It's worth the rejection, it's worth the discomfort, it's worth the opposition. And the disciples, notice they have a um, contrast to Jesus' experience in his hometown, verse 12. So they went out and proclaimed that people should repent. And they cast out many demons and anointed with oil many who were sick and healed them. Back home with Jesus, he did not have much success. The disciples, by contrast, have great success. And over in verse 30, we'll come to later, they report back to Jesus and told them all that they had done and all that they've taught. Well, on to <coughs> assessing Jesus. Jesus hometown people, they've had an assessment, opinion, of who Jesus is. They just think he's a hometown guy and he doesn't really he shouldn't be really teaching them what to do. As we move on to the next bit, Mark then introduces us to King Herod a king uh, and why does he introduce us to Herod well he, Mark does this thing where he, has a, where he uses a literary device called a sandwich a sandwich uh, which is a great thing for Bible talks at lunchtime. a uh, sandwich that is the narrative sort of breaks and then it has some um, event that happens or some recount that happens and then Mark picks that up and you've got to ask, well, why does he put something that seems unrelated, uh, or possibly unrelated, in this bit here? Well, let's see what he has to say. Verse 16. Um, actually, pick it up back at verse 14. King Herod heard of it, this is the disciples going, yeah? For Jesus' name had become known. Some said... John the Baptist has been raised from the dead. That is why these miraculous powers are at work in him. But others said, he is Elijah. And others said, he is a prophet, like one of the prophets of old. But when Herod heard of it, he said, John, whom I beheaded, has been raised. So, lots of opinions about Jesus. Uh, like today, people have opinions about Jesus. Back then, people had opinions about Jesus. The, the answers back then are probably a little bit different to the ones we've got these days uh, I think I hear too many people saying he was Elijah or John the Baptist but that's some of these ancient replies some of these ancient opinions far more important is not so much the opinion that they arrive at though that is helpful and that is right but how did they form their opinion Herod forms his opinion on the basis of his own guilt his internal guilt because He had John the Baptist beheaded. We heard back in chapter 1 verse 15 that John the Baptist had been put in prison. That's all we knew. Now we know that it was actually Herod that put him in prison. Because John challenged him about marrying somebody that he shouldn't have married because he was already married to somebody. And then Herod got caught and you read all of that in the bit that we've got uh, skipped over, verse 17 and following, uh, Herod got caught out and ended up having to um, put John the Baptist to death by beheading him, even though he didn't actually want to do that. And so Herod concludes that Jesus, well, he's a man with miraculous powers, doing miraculous things, therefore he must be John the Baptist, come back from the dead. Stop not. Not the best logic ever, uh, but here it's Herod's logic. And uh, really it reveals his guilt over putting John the Baptist to death. Most people around here at uni ask, um, they have an opinion of Jesus. When we ask people how they form their opinion, it's actually quite telling. Uh, very few people have an opinion formed by having read biographies of Jesus. Most people form an opinion by something that they've heard perhaps when they were a kid, or maybe something that they heard at school, but they've formed their adult opinion based on what they heard when they were five or six years old. And that actually makes a big difference. It's actually very important to help people understand that. You were here last week, you heard Josh Uh, speaking about how he came to know Jesus just last year having grown up thinking that Jesus was just an out there important person morally in some way but actually nothing to do with him personally until he read the Bible for himself and it made all the difference how you form your opinion of Jesus how you form your understanding is massively important it's not a small thing and some people, like Herod, just form it with a few sketchy details. But basically, most people, like Herod, form their opinion on what suits me, what suits me best. I do remember meeting one guy and asking him how he um, had come to or what he knew about Jesus, which was not very much, and how he had come to, to know that was a little bit from when he was a little kid, and I asked. Would he like to read the Bible as an adult and understand who Jesus is? And it was one of the most refreshingly honest answers I received. He said, no, because I don't think I'll like what I'm going to find. And that speaks for most of the world. We actually don't want to find the thing that we think we might find. So we'll come up with some other excuse for why we don't actually want to find it. If you've ever heard of Albert Huxley, some of you may have read his book, Brave New World. Who's, who'd read Brave New World? Oh, you love people in doing English. He's a man ahead of his time and refreshingly honest. He was an atheist at the <laughs> forefront of the sexual revolution uh, movement in the 1960s. And in his book, Ends and Means, he writes about his motives in doing his philosophy, I had motives for not wanting the world to have a meaning, and consequently assumed that it had none, and was able without any difficulty to find satisfying reasons for this assumption. The philosopher who finds no meaning in the world is not concerned with exclusive with a problem in pure metaphysics. He is also concerned to prove there is no valid reason why he personally should not do as he wants to do. For myself, As no doubt for most of my friends, the philosophy of meaninglessness was essentially an instrument of liberation from a certain system of morality. We objected to the morality because it interfered with our sexual freedom. The supporters of this system claimed that it embodied meaning, the Christian meaning they insisted, of the world. There was one admirably simple method of confuting these people. Who, and justifying ourselves in our erotic revolt, we would deny that the world had any meaning whatever. But refreshingly honest, from a person who's done thought through systematic philosophical thinking to justify what they want, he wanted to do actually really. all under the veneer of doing philosophy. People's opinions are never just opinions. They're never just neutral things. Remember that Jesus said in the parable of the soul of the world's <coughs> tilted, it's tilted away towards following the ways of this world. Opinions are never neutral. They are honest and real. Yes, we hope that they are. But they're not neutral. And they give us a window into how people really think when they're honest. And he's a guy who is honest. You've got to admire him for that. But it shows us people will follow whatever they want to follow. People have an opinion because they want to do what's in their heart. But what you follow and who you follow makes a real difference in life. It's not actually neutral. It affects your life, and it affects the lives of others. And this is where Mark takes us in this account with Herod and Jesus, which is your point too, Jesus versus Herod. Uh, Mark contrasts King Herod in relation to King Jesus. And Mark shows us there's a difference between the two, and he sort of puts them alongside each other in this narrative. And the account of King Herod and his leadership is contrasted to that of Jesus. Uh, I'm going to read verse, what you don't have in your sheet. That's verse 21, uh, where Herod puts on a banquet. But an opportunity came uh, on Herod for, when Herod, on his birthday, gave a banquet for his nobles and military commanders and the leading men of Galilee. For when Herodias's daughter came in and danced, she pleased Herod and his guests... And the king said to the girl, ask me for whatever you wish, and I will give it to you. And he vowed to her, whatever you ask me, I will give you up to half of my kingdom. And she went out and said to her mother, what should I ask? Or for what should I ask? And she said, the head of John the Baptist. Great gift, isn't it? And she came in immediately with haste to the king and asked, saying, I want you to give me at once the head of John the Baptist on a platter. And the king was exceedingly sorry. But because of his oaths and his guests, he did not want to break his word to her. And immediately the king sent an executioner with the orders to bring John's head. He went and beheaded him in prison and brought him his head on a platter and gave it to the girl. And the girl gave it to her mother. When, the disciples, when his disciples heard of it, they came and took his body and laid it in a tomb. You have a king with a banquet, with the no- nobles, the military leaders, the leading men of Galilee gathered around him as his guests. And he puts himself in an awkward position when a young teenage girl seems to give what's probably an neurotic dance. He offers her anything. She asks for John the, head, John the Baptist's head. He has to follow through on it. And kills an innocent man to save his own face to save face before others. He is a leader who does unrighteousness to save his own face. He is a leader who seeks to cultivate powerful (coughs) friendships and won't put them in any peril for the sake of his own standing with them. He is a leader who will use people for his own advantages. And you need to tuck that away when through to Mark chapter 10 when Jesus will speak about leadership and the way that the leaders of this world operate to really bring about their own successes and pushing people down in order to do that. And Jesus says to his disciples, not so with you. That is not the leadership that God has brought in Jesus. Because by contrast, we're shown by Mark in verse 30, how Jesus leads. Verse 30... The apostles, and you've got this on your sheet, the apostles returned to Jesus and told him all they had done and taught. And he said to them, Come away by yourselves to a desolate place and rest awhile, For many were coming and going and they had no leisure even to eat. When they were in the boat, and they went away in the boat to a desolate place by themselves. Now many saw them going and recognised them and ran there on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. When he went ashore, he saw a great crowd and he had compassion on them How many loaves do you have? Go and see. Well, here we have an account of Jesus taking the lead. Again, just with the people around about you, what do you notice that Jesus does in his leading here? Perhaps in contrast to Herod, perhaps just the things that you notice. Just with a couple around about you. (laughs)
0: I think is put a way. It's even when the first one is here. one here. We I suppose it's really yeah. a doesn't It's first they make. But Jesus is like, Yeah. I'm thinking half his that part of that. Yeah, he yeah. Oh, it would have been a hell of a lot easier. Yeah. There, right? yeah. Yeah, he, has a mm. he also cares for his own disciples as well. Like these twelve. Yeah. Come away by yourselves, put us place and rest. Because they're so busy. Yeah, So like, yeah, certainly, and that's the whole crowd. Okay. Okay, like guys,
2: you need to go. a yeah. lot Hope you've been able to notice a couple of things.
0: Anyone want to shout out
2: one or two things that you've found? <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, he could have done a power move and just like spawned in 200 denarii and been like, yeah, you're to
2: get rid <laughs> 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 so could have just created 200 denarii? Yeah. What did he do instead?
0: He asked them to go see if anyone else had a good Yeah, you meant to ask.
2: Well great bit of leadership here he says you go get him top do it yeah. <laughs> delegation delegation
1: there you go uh, yeah.
2: yep anything else he has compassion on them he has compassion how does he have compassion on them teaching
0: them teaching that's what he he does once he has compassion on them i suppose rather than Inspi- is, is, the compassion is inspired by the fact they look like they need someone to teach them a shepherd
2: yeah yeah you wouldn't think that would be compassion would you you read that jesus <laughs> has compassion and you think that might be that he's given them something to eat well he doesn't actually do that straight up he teaches them mm. what does he teach them did you see
0: Many things. Many
2: things. (laughs) This was not a short talk from Jesus. Many things. They've chased him down. Anything else that you noticed?
0: He was in the middle of Jesus' rest. So he like gave up his rest to teach them. And he's like trying to get away from everything
2: yeah he was in the middle of jesus rest which i think might have even been the disciples rest actually because <laughs> uh, they've been out around, around the towns remember they've been out preaching about jesus for people to repent and they come back and they're telling jesus all the great things that have happened and jesus says come away and have a rest everyone finds them and jesus says it's action time <laughs> yeah it's action time <laughs> there's a time for rest but when, well, it's, this is not from the passage, but when the fish are running, you've got to be fishing. When it's harvest time, you've got to be harvesting. And Jesus says, well, they've come. They're like sheep without a shepherd. Now, jot down Ezekiel 34 uh, and have a read of that. Or John uh, 11, I've got that right. Because I didn't write the one down, where Jesus talks about shepherds. The shepherds are the kings of Israel. The shepherds are the leaders of God's people. And Jesus says they're like sheep without a shepherd, they're like a people without a king. King Herod, who's known as King Herod, is no shepherd. And these people are after something, they're after more than just a feast that a great king will put on for his close allies they are after somebody who will actually meet their great needs and not for food first and foremost but to be taught many things the teaching of Herod well whatever it is seems to just lead to a guy losing his head the teaching of Jesus shepherds people to know God uh, to deal with their lostness uh, and also to provide for them in their, well their physical needs right there and then and it's not just a little bit that Jesus provides, it's much they are satisfied here is a leader who satisfies the crowd he's not doing this for his own gain, he's not doing this to improve his CV, he leads by sacrifice, giving of himself when he could have been resting with his disciples, giving of himself to teach and satisfy the crowd and bring people to know God, to know the king of God's kingdom. See, opinions ultimately don't matter. But because people matter to God the things that they think matter, their opinions matter, what they're chasing after matters, not because it's true not because just because they have an opinion it's true, but people's opinions are doors that open into their lives and reveal what they're living for reveal what they're chasing after and it provides an opportunity for those who have the truth be able to introduce them to the King who will have compassion, who will actually bring life to people who are dying, will bring life to a world that is completely lost. Who you think Jesus is does matter. Your opinion does matter. It will affect your life. Us dealing with people's opinions does matter. It's not good enough to just to say that's your opinion, it's not fact. With compassion, we want to wrestle with what people think and bring them to the truth and indeed see ourselves understand who Jesus is and come to a greater understanding of the truth, that truth in our lives. i to leave us in prayer, uh, that we all might be able to see that better and put that into practice. Lord, thank you for the Lord Jesus and His kingship, that He brings compassion, that He brings life, that He teaches, that He teaches the gospel and sees people come to know you. Well we pray that we might indeed grasp who Jesus is, to live for Him as King. And to so live for Him as King is to make Him known to those around us. Uh, to listen to people's opinions, to to wrestle with them, and have people come to know Jesus as King as well. We pray Mm -hmm. in Jesus' name. Mm -hmm. Liam's going to come and lead us in prayer. Thanks, man.
0: Hi, everyone. My name's Liam. Um, I'm in my second year of doing mechanical engineering. Uh, Fun fact is... I have a twin brother, who's in Wagga. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there you go. Um, so it's my privilege of praying for us, so please join me. Uh, dear Lord, thank you for the faculty socials that have been happening and continue to happen. Uh, thank you for <coughs> James, who shared his testimony on Monday at the Stealth Faculty. Uh, I pray for the Claude's faculty, that happened a couple of weeks ago, and also for the focus and arts faculty, socials that are coming up. Uh, thank you for the mid-year conference and the opportunity that that is for us. Um, I pray that, uh, yeah, people can reflect prayerfully on if they're gonna go or not, and that they can see the uh, the importance that it is to spend time um, deeply looking at your word. Uh, I also pray for those who are going through the Uncover Mark of people, that they can truthfully and prayerfully Uh, share the gospel with those who might not have heard it or that if they had heard it before um, that they can learn the deeper meanings behind your word. Mm. Um, I pray that Jesus' name will be proclaimed and glorified throughout the world as we longingly wait for his return Mm. and that uh, we'll put our faith in Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen.
1: Amen. Amen.